Good evening, and welcome to episode 66 of The Winning Agenda. Tonight our panellists include 2014 Australian National Champion and 2014 World's Top 16 competitor Jesse Marshall. Hello. 2015 Regional Champion and 2015 Australian National's Top 8 competitor Wilfie Horrock. Hi, what's up? And I'm your host, Brian Holland. Uh, we're going to be talking a lot about the meta post most wanted list tonight. Uh, but first, we've got a quick announcement about our Patreon. Jesse? Yeah, so uh, we've, thanks to all our current Patreon supporters, we've reached our third milestone goal out of our original milestone goal. So Yay. we're really, really pleased about that. Uh, so when the next deluxe box comes out, you can look forward to having a full in-depth video review. Uh, and we've already got up our live matches and our online matches on our YouTube channel, which you can check out too. Uh, we've announced a new milestone goal, uh, which is that we're going to do double-length card highlight episodes. So whenever we renew, uh, whenever we review a new data pack, we're going to do an hour-long episode, which will allow us to go into a bit more depth. So if you want to see us do that, get along to our Patreon and support us. Also, these episodes going forward um, with a bit of timing luck will feature Jacob Morris of uh, the Anchor website, who will be there because Jacob now works on the FAQ as the cards are being uh, developed, I believe. He'll be there to answer all those sort of of nitty-gritty rules questions we have when we first look at the cards. So you can look forward to hearing that as well. So that, that's a really exciting development. Uh, the second thing we're adding to our Patreon is a new reward for individual subscribers. So if you pledge $20 a month, um, you can secure uh, one hour uh, per month of uh, coaching from a Winning Agenda panelist. So we will sit down with you whilst you're playing uh, a game online on Jinteki.net or Octagon, and we will coach you through it, uh, discuss your deck, uh, review, ha- have a look and review your deck beforehand, as with our existing um, tiered rewards, where, uh, and we will add in this new exciting coaching which you can get one-on-one with us so if you're interested in that there's only five of those subscriber tiers available um for that 20 dollars tier so get in quickly uh, and you can we look forward to playing uh, some games with all of you excellent as i said we're going to speak a little about what we think the meta is looking like now that the most wanted list has had a bit of time to sink in if you haven't had a chance yet go back and listen to episode 64 when we speak to damon stone about it he was really candid about all the decisions and it's really insightful so what are you guys been testing lately i mean for those of our listeners who may not no, I'm actually sitting at home for the last month and a bit, uh, nursing a broken leg. So I've had plenty of uh, Jinteki.net testing time. Jesse, you, you, you've gone back to back to uh, Kate uh, Stealth, the Stealth list, Stealth Kate. How, how has it been? Why, why did you think that she was definitely the go-to girl post-MWL? Mostly because I've rarely ever played any other identity. No, no, but uh, in all seriousness, <laughs> yeah. um, I Kate is still as efficient as ever. Um, I was playing Data Sucker, Atman, Parasite, uh, plus other breakers, like a really sort of varied build. Uh, but what I was finding was that Gordian Blade really sucks against Turing, uh, and the deck in general was struggling to deal with assets and remotes. So what I thought was, uh, considering we've got Assassin and Turing at Strength 5 in Codegate, uh, it might be a good time to bring back Refractor, seeing as that's the cheapest... Is Assassin a Codegate? No, Sentry. Sorry, it's a Sentry. Yeah, uh, we've got them both at, cent- yeah. at Strength 5 uh, <laughs> in the Ice Types that Shaper has break- Stealth Breakers 4 that pump for one Stealth Credit to 5 Strength. So Dagger and Refractor both pump for one Stealth Credit to 5 Strength and then one normal credit to break each subroutine. 
So Refractor breaks Cheering for one stealth credit and one normal credit. Dagger breaks Assassin for one stealth credit and two normal credits, which is a lot cheaper than most of the other options, particularly those available to Shaper at no influence. Mm-hmm. Let me just uh, let me just uh, jump in here, Jesse. A lot of people, when they think of stealth breakers, still really prefer Switchblade. Can you just quickly touch on your reasoning as to why why you think Dagger's in a better place? Is it just the influence cost? Yeah, it's a couple of things. Uh, the first one is that Switchblade doesn't deal with low strength sentries between one and six sorry one and five as efficiently as what dagger does because with dagger you only need one stealth credit in order to break those ice whereas with switchblade you need two regardless of how many subroutines they have because you need one to pump and one to one stealth credit to break so that makes things like architect a, a lot more annoying um and even things like Assassin, if you compare what you need with split Switchblade, which is one, so two stealth credits as opposed to one stealth and two normal credits for Dagger, that's pretty much the same, and you don't, you're not paying influence for Dagger. So against all of the commonly played sentries, I actually don't mind having Dagger compared to Switchblade, and allows you to be a bit more aggressive. In general, the deck, or Kate, sort of suffered a little bit from um, the most wanted list. Your clone chips now cost you three more influence if you want to play all of them. You can't play Lady without paying influence for it. Um, and you... You had gone off Lady a little bit in the, in the recent uh, times. Yeah, I, I always sort of played one Corroda and one Lady. Um, I like having Corroda. Uh, yeah, I mean, Lady's obviously extremely powerful and I'm not going to argue that it's not worth playing, but I haven't really missed it all that much. Things like Heimdall are a little bit annoying when you haven't got a Lady, but you can deal with that in other ways. And the fact that you're saving so many credits from your code gate and sentry breaker compared to what the, the other options you'd normally use, you can afford to spend a little bit more on those barriers. So I'm still playing a clot. Um, so my influence is clot, corroda, one HQ interface, and three clone chips. Uh, and three lucky finds. <laughs> I should say, I was like, that's, that's not much influence. Yeah, then three lucky finds as well. So the, the economy package is... Lucky Find modded, Shaw Gamble, Professional Contacts, Technical Rider with Ghost Runner providing the stealth credits. The other thing that I'll note about this compared to the earlier decks that I was playing is that I was relying a little bit more on the hardware earlier because I found the memory of having two cloaks out a little bit annoying with Shaper's sort of toolbox programs. But I'm finding now that two cloak is actually exactly where you want to be with an Astrolabe or whatever console you want to play in play, plus your three breakers, just Corroda, Dagger, and Refractor, and two cloaks. It's an extremely powerful rig. And if you back it up, I've got one lock pick in there as well um, so that you can have the three... Um, recurring stealth credits later in the game it, it powers you through most ice so efficiently I played uh, a version of your stealth list quite a few months ago which was I think a little bit more event heavy it was still playing Dirty Laundries and and one of the reasons I really enjoyed playing it was because I got to play with Comet which you've um, you've obviously changed you did test with Comet for a little while um, when I t- played this most recent iteration I just found that I, I couldn't quite get into the sync of it obviously you're still relying on contacts a lot and you, you're obviously still putting together a lot of pieces which is why the inclusion of Technical Rider is something really quite phenomenal. Had, do you have any advice on how to go about in general playing the deck? Because for me, it just felt a bit different to what the previous stealth list felt like. I'm, I'm not really sure if I could say exactly why. Maybe the setup time felt differently or is a little bit more haggard because there was only the two... Uh, Astrolabes, there were quite a few games where I felt like I needed the memory earlier, but the only source of extra memory was through Astrolabe, and just trying to find it became a bit troublesome at times. Yeah, there are definitely a lot of flexible slots. I always like having three modded, just because it feels smooth to me being able to play R&D interfaces for free. I like the tempo of that, but there are games where you're digging for a code, a self-modifying code, or you're digging for an Astrolabe, and it's really frustrating. So I can see including Diesel 
that's the last card I cut. I can see including another Astrolabe, both of which help you draw in the early game and having the extra Astrolabe makes it more likely you're going to find one earlier. So yeah, th those are cards that if you wanted to say cut the film critics if you don't like them or if you want to run without Plascretes because you're mad or you want to cut some modders, <laughs> go for it and try those cards instead because they will give you a little bit more draw power at the expense of maybe a little bit of tempo or capacity to deal with particular threats in Film Critic. In terms of general thoughts on the Most Wanted list, if you were playing prepaid Kate um, and you were looking to try a different Kate deck, I recommend giving this a go. It does feel a little bit different in terms of tempo to what prepaid Kate did because it's not as fast, but once you get into the swing of it and you know when you can run profitably, I think you'll find that this has a, a very similar power level. How do you, Jesse, how do you think that changes in what corps are good like from the most wanted list has impacted your has that impacted your decision to move to this kate deck over a different kind of post prepaid deck because i know there have been lots of different ways that people seem to be going because there's a huge power void filled by prepaid's disappearance but has anything that the corpse are starting to do now prompted your change or is it just that you've thought this was good for a while and it's still good yeah, I think this is partly a reaction to food coats um, because I think that's a pretty bad matchup for Kate generally or for non-anarchs. As I said, the the dagger and the refractor deal really well with the, a lot of the food coats ice. In terms of more generally what corp threats you're seeing, as I sort of discussed earlier when we were talking about silver bullets, I think in our last episode, um, you can see in here I've got Clot, Film Critic, and Plascrete because I like covering the field in terms of the answers that I have. So... I've kept those things because I anticipate a diverse corp metagame. Um, I think people are going to be trying lots of different things. I expect to see things like power shutdowns and different ways of um, interacting with runners that are trying to raw dog it a bit. I think people are going to come up with innovative ways to try and deal with Faust. Um, so you might see some more anti-AI cards out there, and this deck doesn't really suffer against that. So I guess in terms of have I teched against anything specific in the metagame? Not really, but I've just built it so that it can take all comers and deal quite efficiently with a lot of the larger ice that we're seeing played a bit more in the sort of food coat style decks and some others. Wilfie, what are you running with at the moment? Uh, so I'm playing a noise deck that I honestly just got off the internet. I asked in the Stimhack Slack chat uh, before we needed to submit our decks for this week's league, uh, last week's league now. Um, does anyone know any good post most wanted list decks and someone just gave me a regular noise list basically nothing has changed you just cut two clone chips but otherwise it's exactly the same as a pre most wanted list so it's still so it's not running a hades shard uh it's not playing a hades shard the influences okay that's how they fit it in yeah because yeah, i've been yeah. playing a noise quite a bit too yeah yep yeah, just the normal nonsense um yeah. and the rationale for that is obviously it was good before although it kind of dropped off a little bit with dlr's prevalence and, you know, there's no reason it shouldn't be good now. Plus, the decks which could... Uh, like, a couple of reasons. One, the decks which could recur Cyberdex Virus Suite, i.e. team sponsorship decks, have kind of... Um, like, could recur repeatedly, have kind of dropped off a little bit because the most wanted list hurts those kind of decks the most. And also that uh, Fast Robiotics loses power in a lot of its ice, which is the reason that the matchup was so bad or the reason, one of the reasons that the matchup was bad uh, in the old format was that Eli and Architect were a huge pain to deal with mm, yeah, yeah. Um, without Faust and even with Faust. Like, 
basically, you, you know, the combination of needing Faust to not let Architect fire and needing three cards for both Architect and Eli made, uh, made I assume I never played, but is one of the things yeah, that made it the was. I, I played that deck quite a while through through that meta and it was a real pain in the ass. You were really relying on your Parasites to get through Eli's a lot of the time and um, I think for a while there that deck wasn't playing Corroda so it was pretty, pretty gross. But dealing with Architect um, was, f- I think, the biggest pain in the ass. For that oh, deck. yeah, yeah, for sure because you couldn't Parasite it either and you need, just needing so it's many three cards, cards to get every through time. some of those, yeah. those servers. For yeah, R- yeah, R- exactly which is right. Most people put Unless it. you wanted to let one, one, of the, one of those subroutines fire, which, as you were talking about, you know, subnext fire sweet recursion is, is pretty gross as well. How have you found the emission of most of the clone ships, um, Wilfie? I've, I've found it hard to sort of adjust to being more proactive with things like Parasite. I will admit, okay, I never sure. played this deck yeah. pre-list, but having one clone ship hasn't felt that bad to me. Like, it just seems like it does more of what you're already strong at doing. And so, like, I haven't ever felt myself being like, oh, I really need a clone ship, except in the situation where, like, you need more Davids or something. But it just seems yeah. like the deck kind of runs along, uh, chugs along quite well, even without it, because uh, Chronotype... I-, I know I'm not really treading new ground, but because I've now discovered <laughs> that wild side Chronotype is so good with Faust, um, yeah. that's one of the insights you can get from episode 66 of the Winnie Agenda. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Welcome to eight months ago, yeah, at the, least, um, yeah. The, sh- the shop wild cakes engine, as Jesse said, probably in episode 22 or some shit, was very, very powerful. Um, it's in there. I, I have found it, it, it does still chug along without the clone ships, but you do feel their absence for it. You can't do as many those mid-run things like getting your David back or getting your Parasite back, so you do have to be a bit more proactive with how you're putting your rig together, which I think is more just an adjustment to your play style, and I don't think it hurts the deck overall that much. Um, I'd actually, I've actually been playing a list at the moment that shoot all the clone ships in favour for uh, a Scavenge and a Hades Shard. I wasn't playing Hades Shard before. I think some of the decks were, but I'm not sure where they found the influence. And Hades Shard's been okay, but it's still just like wherever. I think I might go for back to the one clone ship, similar to what you're playing, and maybe go up to three Davids. So I'm not sure at the time. Jesse, have you had a look at this list any time recently? Or yeah, um, I had a look at the the list when you were discussing it last week, and I, I, th- I think it's still good. I think everything Wilfie said about it is accurate the efficiency still there it hasn't really lost much from the most wanted list Uh, the the only issue is running out of gas from faust but i I think as people have discovered you get enough accesses from one deck full of cards that you should win most games yeah it's it's true i mean the only other problem that can come up is things like turing and swordsman um which is again where you'll feel the uh, with Swordsman is when you'll we feel the absence of the clone ships, but again, you've just got to be more proactive and play around those things if you can. Wolfie, is your list playing Mimic? Uh, yeah, it has a Mimic. Uh, anything else anyone wanted to add? On runners generally, um, I would like to see some more innovation in Criminal. Um, I know I know that... Sort Not of, this again. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I, I know that recursion is an issue. You know, lose your breakers and lose the game, and that sucks if you don't have enough redundancy in a deck. A challenge for our listeners out there, uh, I want to see some good Leela decks. So send through any Lila deck that you think is really on point um, and excellent post-MWL, and I'll give it a spin because uh, I'm looking forward to trying out some more Lila because I think it's really good. Yeah, she feels quite good. She's got a really good Nerith Hub matchup, but that much made me thinking because you get to trigger the ability set times because they score so many agendas and you lose. She's got an excellent so, everything matchup. Her, yeah, she she is. She's quite good. Fantastic. I think it's just it's 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 really just um, learning that different it, play. Yeah. It, yeah, I think it, and it's also just 
for a lot of people, um, myself included, it's adjusting yourself to the criminal play style after so long of playing Shaper and, and Anarch. It is something a bit different. Uh, so, Jesse, uh, what about on the corpse side? What have you been tinkering with? Uh, are you still hanging out with the men in green? Or? Yeah, I mean, like... One day, mate. It's family. Like, you you, you, <laughs> yeah. you can't get away from them. Like, sometimes they annoy you a well, bit. I mean, after but... you choose your faction, you kind of just... Yeah, I mean, like... Mate. I, I chose Wayland. I got it tattooed on my back, and like now there's nothing yeah. I can do about it. No, um, yeah, I'm still. We'll, we'll post the tattoo in the uh, in the, yeah, show, in the notes, show notes. Yeah, <laughs> just like your stack of playmats that we forgot to post last time. Yeah, my my plaques. Your plaques. plaques. Sorry, your plaques. Um, so I'm in terms of Wayland. I'm still working on the Gagarin deck, trying to get that good post MWL. It lost a little bit of influence because it was playing NAPDs. So I lost my snare, which is really sad because I won so many games with snare. But I'm still playing NAPD. I've just caught one NAPD and the snare. It's going okay. Suffers so much to Faust. Uh, There was a really good uh, article series. There is a really good article series um, that a fellow whose name escapes me is writing on Reddit at the moment about Wayland, just expanding on a lot of the issues with one article a week. The article column is called The Woes of The Woes of Wayland. Loves alliteration, this fellow. So shout out to him for his fantastic alliteration. Uh, Hold on, I'm just going to quickly get Um, But he was pointing out this week that Rush is difficult, and Rush is difficult. He's right. Because uh, username username Divadus. Thank you, Divadus. Rush is difficult because of Faust, and a lot of the ice that I'm relying on uh, is invalidated by Faust. If you try and make a barrier sentry or a um, code gate barrier stack and score an agenda early behind it, it doesn't really matter that much when they have a Faust. So once Wayland gets a anti AI card that is playable, I'll be straight back on this deck in tournaments. But until then, it's sort of just tier two. You can't quite crack through consistently enough. Can't quite yeah. get there all the time. Um, yeah. You can still kill them, which is gas, and, you know, you kill a lot of people, but sometimes you just can't kill them before they score agendas with their fast, which is why fast is so good. So that's that. Um, and then what I'm actually playing at tournaments at the moment is Near Earth Hub. Um, I spoke a little bit about this, um, and I think we're going to be posting a new game yeah, series the, with it, Brian. Videos, the video series um, with you and myself playing it uh, should be up probably the week uh, after this episode, as in the Excellent. coming week. Uh, so you can check out some games of me playing this list. I've actually changed it very slightly. I had one Eli still in, and I've traded that out for an Itchy. Uh, I wanted a little bit more of a beefy option. Went with the Itchy. I've also got a wraparound in there, so the influence now in my Near Earth Hub deck is three Astros, three San San, two Biotic, one itchy and one roto turret um, and I'm also playing another guard just for another sentry because sometimes you want sentries against shapers shortly after the most wanted list was announced you tinkered around with that list and put it back together and played some games and you said you thought it felt better than the previous list do you still feel the same? Oh, it feels about the same like there, there's so few changes I, I don't think I was trying to say that it was like streets ahead or anything um, I think I was just trying to say that it hasn't hurt it um, and Perhaps it encouraged me to make some changes, like including another Cyberdex, which help you win some games. Yeah, I mean, one thing the MWL did, uh, which I think was probably on purpose, uh, was forced some decks to actually free up slots for some of those utility cards. So it's, it's pretty good. And there's no way I would have had a guard in my deck beforehand. So Still playing the Industrial Genomics deck that we did the deck tech on literally one episode ago. So I, wouldn't, <laughs> well, I won't bore you all too much. But Well, there's, there's been no changes to it? Uh, there's been some small changes. That. I only changed some of the influence to keep Eli's. That's the only thing. Uh, we'll post the... Uh, like, the deck basically hasn't changed, so... Um, there's not too much I'm going to say about it, but I think it's still good. And Jinteki Control, in a lot of different distributions, 
I think is probably the big winner on the corpse side of the most wanted list uh, for multiple reasons. One, uh, most Jinteki control lists either only lose some points on Eli or some po- some points on Eli, some points on NAPD or nothing at all. And two, uh, not having as many parasites around or not having as many clone ship parasites around makes a lot of the Jinte- good Jinteki ice actually playable now instead of terrible and I've added Komainu to my genomics deck and I think that might be one of the like that might be a card that's good now after having been uh, unplayable for so long so in general what are we thinking for Corp obviously Food Coats took a real huge hit I think there were like 9 cards in that list that were on the most wanted list and the most recent iterations that I've seen of Food Coats uh, with the adjusted influence seem not as strong a lot of the ice is much smaller and a bit more porous um, how do you? What do you think the outcome is going to be for lists like that, Jesse? I think uh, a lot of people in their food coats decks, from what I've seen, seem to be putting more sentries in them, which I'm not really sure is the way to go. I've seen a lot of itchy twos um, on top of itchy ones, on top of um, assassins, which is very sentry heavy. I think that barriers are actually a bit better now because ladies out of the way, and I would be uh, Heimdall 1.0 does suck, but. Um, Heimdall, having one or two Heimdall twos in your deck I think is really good particularly if you'd randomly hit one off a beta test it's sweet but also just resing one on R&D as you can see in our video when Tim got me with that it is quite good uh, so yeah m- more barriers even I don't know, something like Bastion is not terrible and it's still reasonably expensive for a Corona to get yeah, through yeah the lists that I've seen have been playing playing one copy of Bastion yeah, which is which is interesting and um, we still think Nerith Hub is, is not going away even with the the extra influence. What about... Um, yeah, sorry, I, I don't think it's going away. Yeah. Um, I think that the loss of Architect is a little bit more than what I initially thought uh, because it offers mm, you yeah. just so much. Like, Rototarot's great and you can it's get them with it sometimes, but Architect just doesn't die to Parasite. That ability is just so important and you don't even notice it on the card mm. sometimes, but it's just insane. Also, the runner doesn't get... F- punished for face-checking Roto Turret anywhere near as bad no, as Architects. and it's in the early game. Yeah, early in the game when they don't have programs out, it's kind of like, do you want to pay four just to end the run and let them know that this thing oh, is never. here now so it's never going to actually no, fire? But the... Whereas paying for the same amount and getting the effect from Architect yeah, is so good. Definitely. That that almost giving you an extra turn as a penalty when all you have to do is res the ice and they don't need to have anything on the board is so good in a deck where you're trying to be as aggressive as possible. So, yeah, losing those architects kind of sucks. Um, maybe I'll look at bringing them back in even at the higher influence value, but then at that point you're sort of gutting the deck a little bit. But anyway, I mean, the deck even without architects is still good, but that's just one observation, I guess, I've had testing a little bit, is that losing them is a pretty big consider, hit. Would you ever consider eschewing the yeah, biotic definitely, um would consider it. Yeah. Uh, particularly because they are the thing that's worst against Clot. Sansan is actually not that bad. Biotics are still sweet against everyone else. It lets you go fast. Yeah. So. so the other side of MBN's um, most prevalent strategies that have dominated the tournament scene pre-most wanted list were the sort of Harpsichord or Neuroth Hub Butcher Shop kill lists. Obviously, fitting three Scorched in with the other cards that they also need to be able to play now is very, very hard. Uh, Wilfie, how do you think those lists will fare? Yeah, I think the loss of Scorched, either A, the loss of Scorched, or B, the loss of Astroscript is obviously a big deal. And I think you might think, you know, you just cut one Scorched and it doesn't really matter because you still have five kill cards. But given that you rely on a critical mass of 
meat damage cards to be able to land a kill in basically any game where you kill them with meat damage. It's usually not enough to just have, say, one Scorch and one Traffic Accident between Plascretes, I've had Worses, uh, Drug your, Dealers... Your opponent not being a Muppet. Etc., yeah. That two rather than three meat damage cards in a lot more situations, and especially making it better for the runner to keep only one tag, like often it's good to just stay staying on one tag isn't as bad anymore now that they only have two scorched i think is a big hit to those decks and more than it might seem initially and obviously cutting astro is just uh unthinkable yeah well if you want to like there are a lot of people that have been doing that though so why do you think that cutting astro is such a bad move for those yellow kill decks just because i mean i don't want to just say astro is powerful but just making it so hard to win a regular game like where your opponent defends against the meat damage kill, but at the expense of their board development, it, like, ruins the ability of the deck to win, I think. Yeah, well, I mean, one of the things we spoke about when we were talking about why Butcher Shop and the Harp kill decks were so good is that the other threat, I think, as Jesse said, was still so real. The threat of scoring out with Astros and Sand Sands was still definitely there. So even when you couldn't go for the kill anymore, you could still just win through fast advance. And now I think what the MWL has done is really made those decks choose between one or the other which it really puts them more in the ballpark of how Wayland goes about killing things. Jesse? Yeah, wh- one thing that's yeah, one thing that's better for NBM though is that they have the tags in faction in cards that are getting better and better, plus they have better tag punishment, and one of the most important tag punishment cards that they've got is Quantum Predictive Model because it's tag punishment that actually lets you gets you closer to winning the game which is something that Scorched Earth does, but something that not a lot of the other NBN tag punishment had done before. But getting points for your opponent being tagged and making accesses, and not only getting points, but reducing the number of accessible agenda points to your opponent in your deck is extremely powerful. So when you combine that with Global Food Initiative, a lot of people have been finding in Sync and in Harpsichord, uh, Quantum Predictive Model is extremely powerful when pa- when paired with some of the new tools you have for tagging the runner and the old ones. You know, Data Raven's still extremely good and reliable at tagging people. Gutenberg is taxing to get through to avoid tags consistently and a lot of people actually end up going tag me later in the game and taking more risks through that. Um, and then you've got News Team, which is very very good so i think the diverse range of tag punishment means that even when they do manage to have a window to land something like a mid-seasons uh even if it means they don't have the kill that turn it turns on a lot of their other cards we see like keegan lane and um even even so much like lily lockwell and the other abilities that uh have tags attached to them as a as a sort of penalty uh or a bonus um another card that i think is also really really powerful which uh, people seem to not find room in their decks for is closed accounts awesome. which uh, does yeah. a lot of damage especially if you're looking to uh, to see do a lot long-term of long-term damage closed accounts is one card that's i think consistently played but not very prevalent i guess in the metagame like there's always some people in your metagame who are going to be playing closed accounts i guess and it never quite goes away, but you're right. It's not. It's not everywhere. People are never like, "Oh God, I don't want to get closed accounts." Oh, I mean, like if you uh, like yeah. if you sold Origin as <laughs> yeah, a card dealer, yeah. you wouldn't want to get closed accounts, right? <laughs> yeah. No, it still definitely sucks being hit by closed accounts. So it's good that, like, as you talk about the MWL opening up a few more utility slots, so cards like that will see a bit more play and really sort of shake things up. Do you think that there's anything else coming out of Dinteki or any? Have, have you tried any other decks, or have you played against any other strategies that you wanted to mention on the club side? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Asha, our favorite special guest. Well, maybe not our favorite special guest, but certainly a special guest. Soon, uh, sent me a Grail like rig shooter deck. I guess that's what people call it. That he thinks is good now like post post list 
which I'm going to try out. Like, yeah, I think, as I said before, I think Jinjaki gained the most. What do we think gained the most on the runner side? Criminals almost lost the most because their influence was so tight already. Um, and Desperado is key no, Desperado, <laughs> in almost every deck. And I, and I understand the, the designers' wishes to want to open up those other consoles. But, I mean, until someone finds out something really cool to do with uh, Doppelganger, which is on par with Also Desperado, until they I design a strategy for Crims it. that isn't doesn't reward you for running. Okay, I mean, the, running the whole card pool rewards yeah. you for running and being aggressive. So why you wouldn't want your console doing that, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, like the next best uh, criminal console, Logos, uh, never gets played well, in criminal decks. Yeah. Well, Jesse, I mean, you could say that Doppelganger does reward you for running because it gives you another run to do whatever it is you want to be doing while running, right? I mean, I, I'm not I'm not saying it's better. I'm just, yeah. I don't want to use the phrase devil's advocate either. But, you know. Yes, um, Doppel, Doppelganger does give you a reward for running, yeah. but why would you want an inferior reward for running in your deck is the question. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe the answer is that you don't want to pay one influence for it, but economy is so much more important early in the game as in building credits and recouping credits that you spent on runs is far often far more important than being able to make another run there are some times when you're squeezed for clicks and you're just like i wish i could run both of those remotes and if you had a doppelganger then that would be nice but there are a lot more turns where you pay a few credits to get through ice or you're spending one or two to get through their hq ice and really hammer them and if you're getting one back every time you can do that so many more times over the course of the game and that has more of an impact. No, that's true. And I mean, I, I don't know about you guys, but I don't like Logos just because I don't like cards that A, aren't guaranteed to fire many times and B, sort of require your opponent to be advancing and winning uh, sort of their game plan for it to do anything and just never sits right with me. So yeah, I mean, Criminals so probably lost a lot. Anarchs didn't really lose much, I don't think, Wilfie. So maybe, maybe Anarchs won the most. No. Yeah, the, I think... I think definitely Anarch, since they're A, already the best faction, and B, the strength is in their economic engines, so, like, the fact that they lost some, like, powerful cards is okay, because they still have, one, a wide variety of good strategies, and two, like, it's easy to, when you don't have to import basic effects, like, it's easy to make room for these card, like cards which gain points and Anarchs, or whatever. It doesn't make you that much struggle worse. with a couple of things. One is ice that they can't trash, so Architects not being in the as, as prevalent in the metagame is massive for them. Um, and the other is Strength 3 and 4 ice in general. So Architects fills two of those roles, and it punishes early aggression. So three of those roles... Three things that Anarchs hate. Architect did them all. There's not as many Architects. That's good for Anarchs. But there's also just not that many other Ice that are stepping up at the moment because they just haven't printed many sentries in that range that do interesting things. So if that happens in the future, it'll be good for Corpse and bad for Anarchs, which would be nice. But also, anti-AI stuff sucks, which is good yes. for Anarchs. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm really enjoying Anarchs as well. I might even go back to Max if uh, the inclination gets me there. All right, thanks so much for listening, guys. If you want to get in contact with us, you can do so at thewinningagenda at gmail.com. You can check out our Facebook page, The Winning Agenda, or you can hit us up on Twitter at Winning Agenda. Until next week, guys, we look forward to hearing from each and every thanks, one. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Thanks for listening. <laughs>